So today's episode is going to be a story time where I talk about a kind of crazy, scary experience I had Yeah, a few years ago. When did I tell you about this? I mean, like a year ago, I think. A year ago, okay. Well, anyway, I think it's an interesting story and we can make comments along the way about the various politics <laughs> or at least the, the insight into it that we can have in retrospect. It just sounds like a story that I'm not trying to call you young and naive. But when you're younger, <laughs> you put yourself in weird situations because you don't understand the world is yes all that dangerous. And then you're like, oh, no. Yeah. Like I used to do things like get into people's cars if they offered me a ride. I mean, that's also because I grew up in an environment where hitchhiking was very normal. But mm. I did that until like an age in which it would be very inappropriate to do that and definitely got myself into scary situations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, this was 2018. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, was not a child, should we say. Anyway, so we're calling the story Peter the Pedophile because there's a character in it who has that incredible nickname. Um, but this is actually a story about a weekend, not a week, a weekend where I agreed to do some dog sitting, but it was actually a weekend where I went to go and see the couple for who I would be doing this dog sitting. So it was like a pre dog sitting meetup. It was meet the dogs, right? Learn the stuff, become terrified, <laughs> never come back, don't go back. <laughs> so, okay, so back in 2018. I was more hard up financially than I am now. And I used to just take any opportunity to make money, basically. So anybody who would say, oh, we're looking for a dog sitter or anyone that was saying a dog walker, I would be like, yep, yeah, okay, I'm happy to earn a hundred pounds giving up my weekend or whatever. Anyhow, I, I want to try and keep this anonymous. So I'm going to say that I met this couple this gay male couple, one was in his 60s and I think one was in his 70s, potentially his 80s. Mm -hmm. And I met them on a trip. Let's say that. It, it was a trip, but I won't be specific. And I, they, they're involved in party politics, mm -hmm. but I won't say, or I'll just change it. I'll say conservative politics. Sure. <laughs> Let's say that. Uh, anyhow... They seemed nice enough on this trip. The younger one was very working class. The guy in his 60s. And the older one was quite posh, mm. right? So the younger one spoke to me more. And I think he had a bit of a thing that some gay men have where they're like, I'm gay, you're gay. Yeah. There's a rapport between us. Right. And I actually don't think that exists. And I don't really think they do. But I think that some it's somehow... What? Go on. I think there are gay men um, who think like, oh, we share experiences as homosexuals and, you know, have some shared political struggle. But then often the reality of our lives is, is, is just very different. I would say that lesbians are the opposite of gay men. Temperamentally speaking, if, the, if we can say it's such a thing. But sexually also. And sexually also, yeah. In terms of domesticity... In so many ways. So anyhow, I heard that they needed some dog sitter for them to go on holiday. And he said he had something like six dogs 
two donkeys, some chickens, a menagerie, mm. right? A fucking menagerie of animals. Uh, but I really like animals and I always have. And I just thought, fine, I'm happy to go and chill in somebody's house and chill with their dogs and make sure they're fed and take them for a walk. Like, this sounds straightforward and easy. Anyway, he said, okay. And obviously, obviously these people, we're like all rich people, they pay pittance, right? He wasn't mm -hmm. even like tempting me with huge amounts of money. He was just like, oh, you know, I'll give you a hundred quid or whatever it was. And I was like, cool, fine. And I, he would pay for me to get the train or whatever. This was in a countryside situation or it was in the countryside of a of a uh of a, of a city okay yeah so because part of it is they drove me into the city right anyway so i agreed to go down for the weekend kind of like a two-night stay so friday night saturday night to meet the pets learn about what to do with them because it can be complicated, I guess. I didn't really understand how complicated it would be. Anyway, so I go down there and this guy, the guy, the working class one in his 60s, picks me up in their Land Rover or Range Rover, whatever it was. So they're they're well off. And he starts sort of saying that they, just telling me that they bought this house and that the, before they bought the house, it was a brothel and that they didn't know it was a brothel until they'd moved in and they found in the stables at the back all these whips and chains and that they realised that they weren't for the animals, they were for, like, dominatrix. For women. For women. The other thing. <laughs> yeah, for women. And at first I just thought, well, this is just classic gay male hypersexual uh, humour. Yeah. That often is in gay gay spaces gay men's culture often will have this kind of campy sexualized innuendo tongue-in-cheek kind of yeah and whilst i don't like to talk about sex with people that i absolutely don't really know i understand that sometimes it's normal to make these jokes so i just go forward and laughed along and like whatever whatever you know this is not a big deal and he told me that like upstairs so they had this big sort of bottom floor and then there was like another address upstairs that didn't have use of their vast sort of garden and animal area and they said oh he's a vicar but we hear him having sex with various congregants even though what well, even when he was married something something and I again it's just like a sexual story and I was like okay I guess that was awkward when you know that somebody's having an affair or whatever I don't know or maybe it was the the woman was having maybe it was the affair with the vicar but anyway a vicar was shagging one of his local congregants which I think is probably not allowed right I mean no okay so there you go and that they heard this happening and again it was just like another sexual story but I was like well okay the a vicar lives upstairs this sounds benign whatever fine and uh yeah I didn't love that I was going to a place that was known to be a brothel historically because they said they hadn't lived there long. and But I thought, you know, as long as they've not had guys turning up and knocking on the door. Yeah. And I guess now it's known in the locality that this is no longer a brothel. And I don't know at this point if I even believe him, right. honestly, or whether I, he's just making a joke. Because the rest of what happens this weekend was very much about this man's psychosexual universe. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, so he's saying he he had this, I think he had like an almost Cockney accent, but he was just like, oh, the whips and the chains in the stables. And we thought, oh, what are they for? And why would you have a whip even for an animal unless it's a horse racing situation? And oh, it was for the the clients, they said. And I just was listening, thinking, anyway, whatever, we get there. And uh, I think they ordered like a takeaway. I don't remember this. And then they start showing me. They start showing me the the place. And they explained to me that on their property, they had a kind of conservatory section where a random man lived. And this is directly next to their kitchen. In the conservatory, a man was living in the conservatory. Basically, but it was like an adjacent conservatory that they'd kind of converted into a flat. Right. So it was part, it wasn't like connected to the house. Um, Yeah, there wasn't like a through door, Mm. but he was directly there, like two meters from the back door into the the area where all the animals were in their garden. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, Sort of already a bit curious about this arrangement. It was like they had a lodger almost that had his own place. Like a granny flat. Is that what people call it? It's not common in North America for people to rent out um, basement suites or laneway houses or granny flats or whatever. It's mm. very, a, a lot of, a, a way that middle class people make extra money often. Right. It's quite unusual in the UK. Yes, it is. Yeah. So I don't even remember what this guy was called and I don't want to name, we'll just call him Henry. Okay. Okay. So this guy was from a country in Europe. And they just said, like, so let's just say, um, I'm trying to think of a kind of random kind of, Slovakia. So let's just, so they, they said that there was this middle-aged guy, Henry from Slovakia, that lived on the property. And they said, oh, but don't worry, he's all right. We've already told him that you're going to be here. And then they said that his response was to say, oh, a young lady for me. And then he did some movements with his hands to outline a woman's hips. Right. And they told me this and I was like, I find it hard to hide things on my face often. And even though I'm quite, I try to be reserved, but the alarm, I don't even know if they noticed because they repeated this joke a few times. And then I said, okay, uh, does he have a key for the property? So of course I start worrying like, what the fuck? This guy's already made a sexual comment about me. He's not met me. He lives all alone. Because I said, what's he doing here? And they said, oh, we don't really know. Mm. He just lives here. And then he flies back to Slovakia occasionally to see his daughter or something. So this guy doesn't have a job here. He, as far as they're aware, he's not doing anything. So he doesn't have a stake in society. That's what really worried me. He can just do something in this country and then fly back to Slovakia. He, he does, you know, there's no stake, right? There's no loss if he does something to me. So I began to worry. And I just, I just, like, this story, you know when people think people don't have an explanation or there's no backstory? Yeah. It's like, why, why is there a man here? And then I even said, well, you know, why isn't he looking after the animals? And then, and then they said, oh, he was supposed to, but it turns out he doesn't actually know really any English. So we couldn't even give him the instructions in how to look after our dogs. 
it turns out lots of the dogs are incontinent. So right. you have to make sure the dogs aren't pissing everywhere and that they go back in these certain cage boxes things where they sleep. Crates. Crates, that's it. <laughs> and, you know, fine. So a lot of these dogs, I think the guy had got a lot of rescues, had things wrong with them. Because right. he kept doing this thing of like picking a dog and then like showing me their ailment and then like showing me all their warts and just stuff that I was like, oh, and this is not going to be like looking after some nice dogs that you can like cuddle. This is like looking after sick dogs. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. So I was already a bit disturbed by this guy who I don't even know if they really clarified had a key to the property or not, but I had to walk past. So they said, you need to walk the dogs at the field at the bottom of the garden twice a day at least. So I knew that I had to walk past the front of his house mm. at least four times a day. Right. And he'd already made this sexual comment and that was it as well. Like I think the older the older man in this couple realised my alarm and said, oh, but you know, he's, he's a gentleman, don't worry. And then the younger one said, oh, and if he did anything, we'd call his daughter. Well, you... <laughs> Well, you fucking wouldn't because I'd be calling the fucking police. Call his daughter in Slovakia. What's she going to do? Say, oh, dad, stop being an old pervert. Like, come on. Anyway, I was already a bit... Wary. Well, my, my like, wariness had gone up by 10, 15%. Then they were showing me around this garden and there was a shed, like a really... But it was about the size of a caravan. It was like a wooden... Yeah, it was more like a wooden caravan. Anyway, they showed me inside and it looked like someone had been living there and it just was, you wouldn't leave an animal in there. I mean, it was awful. I think this was already, this was now the next day. So I'd like right. gone to bed, felt fine, a little bit like, okay, but whatever. The next day they started showing me properly about the dogs and the garden and whatnot. So this wooden caravan, they started telling me that people had been living there. And one of the people they told me about, they said, oh, yeah, we had a guy living here, but we found out he was a paedophile and we made him leave. And I was like, what? Like, I just couldn't believe they put a human being in there at all. Yeah. Actually, it was not. It wasn't fit, it wasn't fit for an animal. It wasn't fit for anyone. And they said, oh, yeah, we rented it out £400 a month. So like a proper room. Um to this guy called Peter and it turned out he was a paedophile and we only found out this when police officers were jumping over our wall to come and arrest him and I I was like well what like tell me this backstory and this well, then they didn't kick him out he was arrested uh and I think they eventually transferred him to one of their flats that they rent Whoa. They didn't just kick him out. They were like, but they said, because we're gay men, we have to get him off our property because yeah. people will associate us with him, particularly right. because we're gay men. Right. Fair right. So, but it wasn't, it wasn't a fuck you, you're a pedophile. I don't yeah. want anything to do with you anymore. It was, I need to distance you from me, but I still want some landlord money. Right. Right. Anyhow, look, this guy had applied, however it was, he'd applied to rent their caravan in the garden and he was paying, he'd, apparently he'd got out of prison, but had not been clear with them necessarily about why. But he'd gone to prison for noncing his stepdaughter. Wow. Basically. So one of the rare times, times that that happens. Yeah. So 
there'd been a sexual assault on a teenage girl nearby. And of course, the police looked for who's the local sex offenders. Right. Where are they living now? And so they jumped over the garden wall to go knock on his um, caravan door. His shed. On his shed. <laughs> Anyhow, and he's called Peter. So it was just Peter the paedophile. And at one point, this was actually the following evening, but at one point they even said, well, you know, we had wanted him to look after these animals and he knows we're going away and that we'll be away. <laughs> and then they said, and he knows about the safe upstairs. <laughs> at which point I'm like, why would you tell anybody? Like, you're telling me this now. Why would you tell anybody, rich couple about a safe you have upstairs and why would you tell a criminal about this that lives on your property especially so i started to think jesus fucking christ i have the threat of this middle-aged slovakian yeah who a man that lives on his own and probably hasn't had sex in a long time uh already making sexual comments that there's a young woman going to be around he's two meters from the door i have to go past his fucking the front of his door which is like a glass door so he'll see me going and then i find out that a pedophile knows i'll be there and there's a financial incentive in getting into the house i'm hardly armed with eight dilapidated <laughs> eight dilapidated <laughs> incontinent dogs to defend me <laughs> like how could i like charge they'd all just fist themselves in fear immediately <laughs> like, and I just, and I just like the like in my mind, you know, when like there's like a barometer of panic, when you just start to think, I am not sure that I can handle this situation in a scenario that I can see coming, and when you start to see like multiple forms of bad scenario you know, coming at you if you go forward with yeah. this plan. Any Anyway, after he showed me this caravan, he then decided to drive me around the city and point out all of the flats that they owned, including Peter the Pedophile's new flat. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, why is this guy rubbing my face in money? Yeah. Like, yeah, I get it. I'm poor, you're rich. Like that TikTok, yeah. I get it. Oh, you can't afford that because you're a pavo. <laughs> yeah, cause, yeah, because I'm a pavo. Yeah. I'm poor, you're rich. I know, yeah. I know. So he just started telling me then these horrible lesbophobic stories about that. They also, they had a lesbian before Peter the paedophile, a young woman living in the caravan who had tried to kill herself and her girlfriend had got in touch with the police and the police jumped over the wall in this circumstance <laughs> as well to go save the girl from Jesus. whatever... Um, method of suicide she was doing and they kicked her out for that wow because they said you brought the police to our home the end and I remember thinking oh I feel really sorry for that girl yeah like living in that shithole and then feeling depressed and trying to take her own life and then you get kicked out of your accommodation for trying to take your own life and I and yeah, and I just thought, why couldn't you re rehouse her like you did? Peter the pedophile. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
And I think that, and then you start telling about another lesbian that they employ. So these two men run, run a nursing home. The old, posh, almost aristocrat owns it. And they were just boasting the whole time about how they how they get like a grand a week from the government or whatever it was for, for looking after people who are disabled or elderly. And yeah, he just like he would just tell me these stories about all their family fighting over money and how they weren't gonna give people money and that, that these people wanted money in the will and inheritance of this old man that had the nursing home and they weren't going to and people were trying to steal this money. And I just remember that he would say, they would talk about like a neighbour and say, oh, you know, he's got dementia, he's not well. And then the old one would say, well, can't we transfer him into the home? I, we could be getting a grand a week for him. And it's just like, it was so, um, I don't know the word, is tawdry. Like the, it's such a, so horrible, basically. They just saw people's illnesses as financial gain right and i they kept talking about people in such a way that by the by the saturday night when we were having this like chinese takeaway i actually because they were asking me questions and i just kept trying to ham up because they were like oh you've got a girlfriend but she's out the country and i said yeah and then i started to think are they going to like brain damage me or like disable me (laughs) so that i have to be in their home and they'll get a grand for me a week in profit well you do start to have these scary thoughts when you're like isolated with people who are being creepy and yeah and the the working class 60 something guy kept talking about sexual violent topics i'm sure something happened to him in his childhood or something he kept showing me videos of people having violent deaths being thrown off roller coasters and one death was like somebody being slammed like landing on a car in a car park i don't even know how you can get footage like this and then he would then he would switch to showing me like photos of naked black guys with huge penises and then he would show me photos of asian women with loads of hair and he'd be like oh she's a bit too hairy for you jen and show me this like woman's vulva area with like a big bush and i just was sat there being like just trying to watch (laughs) I'm just trying to watch TV. I'm just trying to feel like safe. And make a hundred pounds. And make a hundred pounds, not even this trip. And I remember after they went to bed on a Saturday night and I was sat up there in the house and I was so scared. I like closed the curtains of the living room um, sliding doors because I knew that this Slovakian guy was outside and apparently ready to ready to go. And I just remember watching a film and I chose that film, um, I think it's called Glass, but it was a little bit scary. And I just remember, well, it's not, it's like a PG-12, but I remember being so scared of it because I just was terrified. I actually couldn't watch a horror film for a while after this incident right? because it was, it was the way that they kept bringing up scary, horrible story, scary threat, another threat. Another horrible story. Sexual imagery. Sexual imagery in such a way that I started to think it's like I'm the person in a film 
who doesn't know what they're walking into and they're walking into like a creepy mansion yeah and the gargoyle ornaments on the stairs all turn and look at the person and look evil and the person doesn't clock it and the person is told something foreboding but they think oh that's fine or someone says did you hear about the murders in the house that happened years ago the person says oh no i didn't actually but and then they they think oh but i've come such a long way i won't leave and i kept thinking oh, there's just been so many cues that have added up now that have are, are like barriers in my mind about coming back. And I decided when I was watching the film, I'm not coming back. Yeah. And I felt such a sense of relief. And then the next day, I think they just took me for like a Sunday roast and I got on the train and I just, I felt so relieved and I was so relieved to be home. But one of the things they said before I left is, they said, um because I even said oh so who usually does this for you and they said oh a local girl but she can't do it this time and I said oh okay and they said she's a lesbian and I said oh yeah but like why do you think do you, you're friends with her like I know I, I asked basically for why because he kept saying that all these examples of women were lesbians and he said well I don't know but she just doesn't really go out much and she doesn't have any friends <laughs> And I just thought that's what people, that's what these men think a lesbian is. Yeah. It's just like an unhappy, failed woman. Mm. Like you've failed socially. So you don't just not have a man. You don't have any partner and you don't even have friends and you stay in. That is genuinely what they think. Yeah, yeah. That is the idea of the unhappy lesbian. And I just thought, well, that doesn't sound like a sexual orientation. They even told me this horrible story about, because they... They didn't tell people at work at this nursing home that they were a couple. But he confided in a lesbian, a young lesbian. And she said in front of staff that they were a couple. And he was like, oh, I had her escorted off the premises. And you just think, well, you needed to tell her it's a secret, by the way. Don't yeah. tell anybody. We've got internalized homophobia. Or we just don't want anyone to know we're really private. I'm just telling you as an exception. And just all these stories of things they'd done to lesbians that weren't nice were also yeah. beginning to clock up in and my these mind. And people who are involved in, like, party, party politics. politics. Yeah. They took me out. Honestly, they took me to a, a hotel dinner at one point. Again, just the rounds of, like, these people have so much money to spaff, right? They never cooked, obviously. Mm. They took me to, like, a hotel dinner. I think it was on the Saturday during the day. It was like so posh and they were having a party meeting there. Wow. And just to say this isn't actually the Tories. I'm saying it is. As an example. Be because, no, because I want to be, I don't want to name what party you he's in. Anonymize it. Yeah. But it wasn't even the Tories who you'd think, oh, they're all, yeah, of course, they're all rich. It wasn't it at all. And I just thought, wait, they have party meetings in five-star hotels. Yeah. Just local branch meetings next to a grand piano. Like, what the fuck? And I even told um, a colleague of mine, and she was like, do they live in a hotel then? Because she'd clocked that they had fuckloads of money. And I was like, no, they don't. I think they just frequent here with their party friends. <laughs> and then the final thing they told me, I had already decided, honestly, that I didn't want to stay. But they said, the last girl that we had look after. This was the one they suspected of being a lesbian because she they claimed she was socially isolated. But how do they know whether who's coming and going from her house? Yeah. Are they watching? 
Like there was. There seemed to be a weird sexual thing with lesbians that they. Yeah. Because they kept bringing it up. I kept bringing it up. It was so sinister. They kept suggesting I have baths. I was like, are they going to harvest me? <laughs> like, honestly, just all kinds of things are going through my mind because of how fucking sinister these comments were and the things they kept showing me and then the stories they'd have about people. Anyway, they said, well, we've actually got a camera We've got cameras all over the house. Oh my God. And we had a camera on the living room and the kitchen, and the dogs aren't allowed in the living room because they we, because they're incontinent. And she let them in the living room. And we saw this on the camera whilst we were away. So when we came back, we shouted at her because she didn't follow the rules we set for the dogs. And that some of the dogs were allowed in the living room and some weren't. It was like very convoluted. And I just thought, oh my fucking God, that not only am I going to be in a house where I'm terrified of a potential paedophile trying to break in to get to the safe, the Slovakian that already wants to shag me, (laughs) and that this used to be a brothel and a man might turn up being like, hello, I would like a prostitute or whatever. And I thought... And now I'm on camera and if I let, if I get mixed up about which dog is allowed in what room, I'm going to get bollocked when they get back for a hundred (laughs) quid. You'd have to pay me like a grand at least to go through this. I just thought, no, I just, (laughs) I was like, I'm so glad I'm not coming back here. What the fuck? (laughs) I'm only laughing because it's so... It does sound like a horror movie. Yeah. It, it's so crazy, all the different things. And you just think, it can't get worse. No, and then it does. It does. Yeah. It kept getting worse. And I just... I think they were, like, getting off on freaking you out. I just don't understand all the scary things and, like, the weird roller coaster death thing. Or, or it's just, like, they're swimming in it and they're just really creepy people. I think the younger one... It was the younger one, really. I think yeah. the old man just wanted money. Right. Like, and that's what his interest was in his nursing home. Um, and that he was quite pleased when people got elderly or ill and could go in his nursing home. But I think that the younger one had a really violent internal psychosexual universe. Yeah. Probably because of some early experiences that he had. Mm. I'm guessing of abuse. Right. And that he was constantly trying to expel that and normalize it. You know who else has a similar thing is that um, Shane Dawson. Yeah. Where he's constantly telling jokes that are like really dark and morbid and sexually violent, like about fucking animals, about children being sexy. And for those who don't know, Shane Dawson is was a massive YouTuber. Massive. A gay guy that eventually got cancelled because... Just the enormity of evidence of pedophilia. Pedophilia. Yeah. But he was big, like... And Jake. he's bisec- bisexual, actually, because right. his pedophilia was also directed towards girls. girls. Yeah. But he was, he was a YouTuber with over 10 million subscribers, maybe more. Yeah, he was like an original, one of the original YouTubers who like literally started in like 2005. Yeah. And he was just one of those men who had been doing it 
for so long that he had collected an audience. And but he did collaborations with Jake Paul. Oh no 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 he was massive. he was massive he and was he, absolutely yeah. massive yeah. yeah he was and he was like well, that's what I mean he was on the platform for so long that he was like a bit of an institution yeah and he was said that he came out as bisexual like I don't know four to five years ago or something and he had a he had a girlfriend that I think was probably a fake relationship. Um, and she's never really spoken of it since. Right. And it was like a weird online relationship. And then, yeah, there was just evidence of both jokes about pedophilia or comments about pedophilia in which he was making women around him very uncomfortable, but also actual instances of pedophilia, like making out with, um, like underage girls at, at, um, fan, fan meets, asking girls for nudes. Yeah. Who were underage, just like, he made sexual comments about Willow Smith when she was like 12, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he really has a lot of repeated references to sex or sexual violence or death in those videos. Yeah, he does, yeah. And yeah. Uh, bestiality. Yeah. Yeah. So I understand that those people, if that's their psychic content, one of the ways is to try and evacuate it by speaking about it. But it's not something I can... It scares me. It's not in my repertoire yeah. to absorb this. No. I'm, I don't think I'm a particularly sensitive, but I don't like this content in my life. No. And I don't think about these things. And I'm disturbed by them. I don't watch videos of people dying. No, I'd no. Be, I'd, be really, I'd be freaked out about it. I don't find it thrilling. No. And it was just the way that this ratcheted up and i thought it was interesting that they had i don't think they had any idea that i was freaked out i don't think they had any idea that telling me about the slovakian guy that made sexual comments about me like oh you brought a young woman for me yeah and then did the hand movements i uh i don't think they realized that this would just make me this was like the first no in my head yeah. and I, after i collected three no's it was just like, no, yeah. I can't. I've got like some so many reasons to not do this. And I think I just messaged them like a few days later, um, just telling them I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. And they did say that they, because I felt bad for the animals really, and that obviously you don't want to stop anyone's holiday, but they had a backup, I think. And I don't know. I don't really care. I'm like, you're rich. Put your dogs in fucking yeah, yeah. the kennel care, whatever it is. I had a I had a flatmate. This is not a sexually weird story, but I had a flatmate when I was younger who had a friend who I did not like, who interestingly was also involved in party politics on a municipal level. Anyway, she was just one of these people who was like really, really weirdly entitled. And she was going on a holiday with her husband. And what she did was create like a rota of all her friends, of not asking them to take care of the dogs being like, this is when you're going to come over and take care of our dogs when we're away for a month. You like, <laughs> and then just emailed it to them and said, okay. And then my friend at the time was like, all right, I guess, but I, I work, I guess I can try and make this work. Anyway, she was just way too agreeable. And she got there and she did one night and like the sheets weren't clean, nothing in the house were prepared. And she was just like, you know what? I won't mention this to any of them. 
and she like left the room and then one of the dogs like jumped onto the television and smashed the television they had these really big dogs that they had not trained properly and so this dog just like smashed the television and (laughs) she was like I'm not sure what to do I didn't even want to do this I have to go to work so she just left to work and the next friend came and took over anyway the entitled woman who had created a rota for all her friends to come look after the dogs told her that you owe us money for the television that the dog had destroyed because it was your responsibility. <sighs> I just don't know where people get this level of I don't entitlement to things. I was like, I would never speak to her again, and I don't think that she did. No, I wouldn't. I think there must be a relationship between irresponsibility and entitlement. Right. Because one does kind of take care of the other. Yeah. Like, if you just have a total lack of responsibility but then you're entitled to other people taking responsibility instead. Right. Then you think, well, I'm covered. Right. It's so strange. This is the thing, though, that people get animals when they're not in a position to look after them. It's a very common thing, yeah. It's really common, and it's the one thing that stops me from getting an animal because I'm just not, I know I'm not in the position to. Yeah. I also don't understand why... They have this idea that the animal has to stay in the house when you go on holiday. You can take them to like the dog kennels. Well, they don't want to pay for it. They wanted their friends to come oh, do it for free. I see. It was about money. Yeah, they weren't paying. Mm. They were just a created a rota for their friends to come stay at their house and take care of the dog involuntarily. Super bizarre. Yeah. So bizarre. Anyway, after this experience, I stopped doing anything like any dog sitting. Well, it's just like when you're in that position where you're just like, I remember I used to go onto Craigslist. It was just a miracle I wasn't trafficked. I wasn't <laughs> sometimes sex trafficked. I, oh, this is, sometimes I think the same. I, I at one point I I know that I was probably going to happen, and I just didn't turn up yeah. for the thing that I thought I was turning up to. Yeah. And years later, I was like, Jen, that. That was not what you thought it was. Anyway, tell a story. Well, I was just like 18. I think I had like two different part-time jobs and like I needed like money all the time. So I would just go into like gigs on Craigslist, which was like a section where they would have like one-time jobs. And I got some like real jobs there, like working at festivals and expos and things. But, like, occasionally it would be like, I want a woman to come clean my house. And I'd be like, I can clean a house? Yeah, sure. And I would email them. And then they would email me back, like, what size are your feet or something fucking weird. Like, it's just a miracle. Like, if any of those men were more sophisticated, it's just so scary when you're, like, like, any kind of cash work thing like that can get real scary real quick. Well, it all all relies on that you're pretty desperate and that you want the money. And they know that. And they know that. And then yeah. they're like, well, what are you willing to do for this money? Yeah. That's the thing. And I just find that this must be why you just say, no, I want it up front. Right. I mean, I'm not just saying that that's what prostituted women say. I'm I'm, I'm almost like, I wish to I could... For gardening. For gardening. Yeah. You're like, well, I want it up front and then I'll do the work. Which is the only cash work, by the way, that was ever semi-successful for me. Really? Gardening? thing was gardening, yeah. I love landscaping. I did it one summer and I really liked it. I made quite a bit of money with a friend. Mm. 
I just, I just the amount. I, at one point, I have to tell you from my medical experiment stories. Yeah. Where I had to have smear tests in front of lecture halls of medical students, <laughs> Jesus. and they didn't tell me beforehand there was going to be a live audience. They, I feel like this is a very British thing. What not telling people? Yeah. You know, I, this is just like having to like address the intimacy or vulnerability of that. It's just like we'll just. We'll not just mention it. We'll just we'll let fine. them turn up and be horrified. Yeah. But just even that, like when you think, okay, well, this research is going to pay me seventy pounds for their private research, whatever, to take a swab of my cervix, whatever it is they're studying, fine. And then I just showed up, and there was a lecture theatre of people. <laughs> and you think, well, I've spent money coming here on the train. What do I? I just had an out of body experience. Yeah. I was like, it's not me and my body. I could be anybody. And then when my cervix was blown up on the screen behind me, I was like, that could be anybody's cervix, (laughs) not just mine. I'm an interchangeable female body. I'm not really here. I'm in Disneyland. They would never do this to a man. No, they wouldn't. Never. They would just use pictures that they had taken. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, this is why when I have kids whatever they need whilst they are in education or a young person i am i will pay for it it's great if they get a part-time job as well like a normal safe i always had one of those where it was like retail or customer service or hospitality or restaurants or whatever and then it always be like not enough to live on so it'd be like the extra stuff well i would have two part-time jobs and then the other part-time job, one of them would fire me because I wasn't available enough yeah. because of my other part-time job. Yeah. To find a full-time job was just, like, impossible in that kind of work. Yeah. Yeah. And it just means you end up doing things for money that you regret and that are dangerous. And I don't even think that this Peter the Pedophile house of horrors is even the worst. But it, it really showed me, I think it hit it home, finally, that gay men are no different to straight men in terms of not understanding women's social position and that you I don't think they realize that they terrified me to the point of that in my mind yeah within 24 hours I decided I can't do this because they wouldn't have wanted to put me off I don't think but they absolutely did not understand that what they were saying to me was scary yeah no they didn't not at all and it made me realize that we have very little in common. Yeah. Yeah, I have a couple of gay male friends, but they're like the outliers mm. in this particular tendency. Yeah. Well, of, of just like the hypersexualized humor. I don't really get it. I also don't think it's funny. It just feels like a bit weird and threatening. Yeah. I kind of get like the 2% of it they do, but like even just on Twitter, like some men like who are, like, GC gay men, like, responding to me with weird, like, porny anime gifts. I'm like, I don't want to see this. Like, I presume it's to do with shame around sexuality. Yeah. And trying to throw that shame off by almost, like, lightening the mood around it. Something like that. Or something like having been repressed for so long, it's then a bit over the top. Yeah. When you can finally be an openly sexual being but what i don't understand still is this thing between public and private like well yeah people tend to be they tend to keep their sexual life it's in their private life in the same sort of way that i don't make sexual comments publicly 
that are that explicit because again it's just I just relate it to a personal yeah private part of you yeah so but you know it's, it's and a, I also it's don't everyone. I don't think mentioning sex is funny no I don't think it's funny like yeah sexual intercourse or sexuality exists I don't where's the joke like I don't understand yeah it's like even drag queens who will have like sexual innuendo names it's like yep right like sexuality is a part of life i don't understand the joke yeah no i don't i don't but it it works in the uk a lot because of just the sexual repression right yeah you guys love that stuff people find it silly and exciting look we have we have like the carry-on comedies of the 1970s right they're all about sexual innuendo because it's like people just can finally laugh at that sort of thing i think I had, it's taboo otherwise i think i had was. this exact conversation with my mother about like she was laughing at some joke with her and her friends that was some such joke and i was like i just don't i can't find it funny i just i don't understand even when i try and think about it and try and make myself laugh, i, I don't understand what's funny mm. and she was like oh i think our generation just didn't ever talk about sex so mentioning it is a bit silly and funny yeah but i just i don't find it funny at all no, I don't. I just, and I just, I know that, thanks to Freud, I know that humor is aggressive. Yeah. Even when it's not, you know, I'm not saying that all jokes are horrible or hostile, but most. Or humor, joking is bad. All the joking is bad. Yeah, yeah. But it's like most, it's very, basically, this, uh, I remember Peter Fonagy, um, when he was lecturing on my master's, he said, try and find a joke that's not aggressive. It's all about, da-da, you didn't get it. You know, even like a yeah. pun joke or like a dad joke or like a joke that's hard to get. And um, what was it? It was like, what did the cow in the fields like or something? It was like, it was, it was, um, what was the, like, what did the cow get like on the exam? Like, how did they do? And someone said, outstanding in their field. It's all still like, ha-ha. Like, you didn't get it, but now you do. And that's where you kind of laugh in relief. You go, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, that's a nice joke. I was expecting maybe... like, I, And even that thing where you're asked, like, what is it? And you're like, I don't know. Right. But even this tension. And he just was like, it's really hard to find a joke that's not got some aggression somewhere. Yeah. And it's true. Yeah. Basically. Anyway. Well. That's my story time. It's a crazy story. My, uh, it does feel like a u- weird YouTuber story time story yeah. where it's difficult to believe. Well, I'm just so glad. It's also I difficult to make up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just glad I didn't go. So there we are. I put it on my Facebook actually. I think the year after it happened. Yeah. Um, because I just thought it was so extraordinary. But it, you know, I put it. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.